Hey, Peter. Hey, Kev. So we're on our third episode now, if you can believe it. I feel like we've gotten so much done since we came up with the idea for this podcast, and I'm super impressed. I can't believe we were able to rattle out three episodes this quickly. I'm pretty proud of us, yeah. And I've been enjoying so much uh, being able to push myself and really listen to a lot of music that I normally wouldn't otherwise, and it's just been awesome being able to genre hop and just go to, you know, listen to all this this uh, new music. So what I'm hearing from you is that you're ready for the next level. K-pop. Oh, no. Welcome to the Play Button. Uh, Peter and Kevin here with a very exciting episode for you this week. We have three of possibly the most diverse albums that we've uh, reviewed thus far. We have three albums that could not be any more different from one another, and I'm really excited. I'm extremely excited. I'm not sure which one I'm more excited for Kevin to cover between uh, Savage Mode 2 and uh, Blackpink. I, uh, that is a diverse set. Yeah, it's going to be uh, quite the episode. Uh, this week we've got three albums from um, 21 Savage, the Toronto band Mets, and yes, K-pop group Blackpink. So just to kick things off, we're going to be reviewing 21 Savage, Savage Mode 2. Let's get into Savage Mode 2. So uh, this is a collaboration between 21 Savage and Atlanta producer Metro Boomin. It's a direct sequel to 2016's Savage Mode, which was a dark trap banger of an album. Some huge hits off of that. Um, X and No Heart are probably songs that I still play even today. They were massive songs. And this is the latest in what are many collaborations between these two guys. Uh, Metro Boomin huge pioneer in the Atlanta trap scene and a very sought after producer. Uh, 21 Savage is no slouch either. His resume has been filled up pretty high these days. Uh, he came off some, some really good features in 2018. Post Malone's uh, song Rockstar was a great feature. And uh, he was also on Bartier uh, Cardi as well, which was uh, off Cardi B's album in 2018. Uh, poor guy ran into some expired visa issues, though, in 2019, though, and uh, I guess the sludgy American judicial system will take its time with that, but there's a chance that guy might still actually get deported and sent back to the UK. He's been living in the States with an expired visa for decades, apparently. Anyways, um, it didn't stop Savage Mode 2 from seeing the light of day, though. Uh, Savage Mode 2 is finally out. It's been unveiled like, like a big blockbuster movie sporting an old-school album cover from the temporarily out-of-retirement company Pen & Pixel. They were uh, responsible for designing lots of Southern hip-hop albums back in the 90s and 2000s. And, oh my goodness, Morgan Freeman narrating. I could not be more excited about that. I could have that man narrate my life if he uh, if he was willing to do so for free. Um, I, mentioned, uh, I mentioned they brought Pen & Pixel out of retirement. It's a it's a uh, artistic uh, album cover designer uh, from the 90s and 2000s. Um, that's kind of how this album feels to me. It's got some old school vibes on it. Um, there's a couple songs that feel ripped straight out of it, uh, like Rich N-Word Shit, which is, uh, which is a song I, could, I think that could have been on like Cisco's discography back in the day. 
Um, there's also just uh, there's also a very fat, very simple beat on uh, stepping on N words as well. Um, kind of feels like an ala Fresh Prince uh, flow to it as well. Just very simple. And then the closer said and done sounds like something that could have been on Kanye's first album as well. So I just I get a lot of throwback on this. Um, there's a nice mix here though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, I. I was interested to see Kevin's uh, first impression of it from the songs Runnin' and Glock in my lap. Um, I mean, lyrically, it's not the most versatile piece uh, that I can that I can say, um, but I think I think musically it is very versatile. I mean, you get the hard stomping banger tracks like Runnin', Glock in my lap or Slidin', but then he also smoothly transitions over into some sing along R and B. Does some great job with the auto tune on his voice. I think he has a great voice, Twenty One Savage. Um, there's some great R&B tracks like the very sexy Mr. Right Now. I mentioned Rich N-Word shit as well. And uh, even Brand New Draco's a good track. I mean, 21 Savage, uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit. He's, um, he's got oh, he's got a, quite a nice voice for the, for the, the music that he sings on. Um, what did you think, Kev? Uh, I honestly, I, I went in this not really expecting much, but... I thought it was decent. I, I really, it didn't, it didn't just totally turn me off from the get-go. Obviously, Morgan Freeman has a big part in that. Um, just an awesome way to kick off the album and present some pretty hilarious interludes. Personally, my favorite track is Snitches and Rats, the interlude, <laughs> which is narrated by Morgan Freeman, where he very, very eloquently explains the key differences between snitches and rats. And I felt like I was in a university lecture with Professor Freeman explaining this, and I was, like, taking notes. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. I thought the production was fairly interesting. I liked that there was a nice flow between tracks. It seemed like some of the songs were blending into one another. I agree with you. I loved Rich N-Word shit. I, I actually think that's a great song. And... Uh, Definitely some throwback sounds, like you mentioned. I, I'm definitely a hip-hop noob, so I was wondering... I, I felt like I was hearing sounds out of the 90s, but I wasn't sure if that was just me being a noob or if it actually was, so I'm glad you said that. Uh, on Rich N-Word shit, one of my favorite parts is those those little little kind of staccato... Uh, the, the closest thing I could think of was Windows error sounds. They just kind of sound like a... Uh, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the the Drake feature, even Mr. Right Now. That um, that really, you know, wasn't a bad track at all. Uh, unfortunately, the lyrics that was that was tough for me. Uh, Twenty one is actually my favorite number, but wow, this guy! I <laughs> I, I don't know how many times Twenty One is 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 just kind of said on this album it's always just it's almost like a filler word for him instead of uh and um he he just says 21 <laughs> and yeah he, he he's always had those thrown into each, each song i mean he says 21 on god straight up like it's like travis scott i mean you when you listen to his music um it's just you're just going to be greeted with a lot of that thrown up into the tracks and uh it's really no different here <laughs> and um more on the lyrics Judging by how much he said a certain word, he sure loves cats. Found some of the tracks a little annoying. Glock in my lap, I found quite annoying. Uh, I thought some of the filler tracks in the middle were a bit too similar for my tastes. I felt like there wasn't much variation. Uh, you mentioned stepping on N-words. I thought that also 
felt like a kind of fun throwback. I actually enjoyed that track too. And the closer said and done um, was a nice way to wrap up the album. So I really didn't mind it that much. I thought uh, personally, I enjoyed it more than Big Sean from last week. So I think that's uh, that's a win for 21 Savage. Nice. I just want to uh, shout out to Morgan Freeman for uh, saving himself after his stumble in the intro. He, uh, he he stumbled a little bit, wasn't sure exactly what he was reading, I think, whether from a savage land or a boom in Metropolis. <laughs> uh, so kudos to him for, for picking that up. Also, you mentioned snitches and rats being explained so eloquently in the interlude. I just thought it was really funny that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Snitches and rats, they all get whacked. <laughs> 21 Savage explained the difference to you and then told you that it doesn't matter which one you are. He's going to whack you anyways. Next up, shifting gears dramatically, we're going from 21 Savage to the Toronto noise rock band Mets. They have their fourth album out, Atlas Vending. This is potentially the most abrasive thing I've heard all year. There's in, insane intensity on all of the tracks. It's just a pummeling, nonstop uh, barrage of sound for 40 plus minutes. Very angular guitars, very discordant kind of guitars and just very intense uh kind of in in between of shouting and speaking and screaming types of vocals interestingly they're actually on the record sub pop records which is known for its um incredible importance in alternative and indie music this is the record label that essentially pioneered grunge they released the first album by nirvana and through the years they've still held up their kind of prestige status in the industry they've released albums by the shins fleet foxes and beach house three of the biggest indie artists of the 21st century so i think it's a big win that a band like Mets is on this label and i think it's interesting that even though sub pop has kind of veered away from that early 90s grudge sound, grunge sound, it's uh, still alive and well, clearly, with, uh, with bands like Mets. I think um, the more intense, kind of uh, groovy tracks that really suck you in, like the opener Pulse, uh, were the ones that I tended to enjoy the most. I also enjoyed the expansiveness of the last track, A Boat to Drown In. And I think... I always gravitate towards albums where the album cover really represents what the music sounds like. And I think this album is a perfect example of that. Uh, it's kind of this cool synesthetic effect where I look at the cover and, and I can actually hear what that cover sounds like. So just to describe the cover to you, it's, it's a very post-apocalyptic type of image. It's um, in this kind of sickly greenish black and white it's a, a very sharp image of what looks to be a very uh, dirty and rundown potentially child hiding behind what looks to be a fence it's a very gritty dirty looking cover and i think track names like a boat to drown in blind youth industrial park perfectly perfectly uh communicate what the sound of this album is like the only thing that I didn't really enjoy too much was I felt it was a bit too monotonous. I think when you have this onslaught of sound, you really do need some variety to kind of mix it up, some 
uh, dynamics, and I felt like that wasn't necessarily there, especially um, with the vocals. And I thought the vocals were actually the weakest part. There, there just wasn't enough variety for me um, to really get sucked in. But some of the tracks on this uh, were were really quite excellent. Uh, what were your thoughts on it, Peter? Yeah, so like you, I was a little surprised at how harsh and abrasive it was, especially coming off a label that has those bands you mentioned. I think Father John Misty's on that too, uh, as well. Yeah. Although maybe you can fact check me. Um, but yeah, very, very abrasive music. Um, it's definitely designed to be jarring and dissonant, uh, especially that opener Pulse. It was a great, I thought it was a great opener. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm more, out of the two of us, I'm definitely more used to this style of music. Yeah. It has that grungier almost Nirvana style of uh, catchiness to it. But at the same time, it's mathy and very distorted mm-hmm. in the background as well. I get I get hints of some of the more math core bands that I've loved as a kid too. Dillinger Escape Plan, mm-hmm. Converge come to mind, which is an odd mix that I wasn't expecting off this album. Um, and despite all that dissonance, there's an odd groove to it. You mentioned Blind Youth Industrial Park, the shorter jam, no ceiling, or even hail taxi are catchy as hell. Mm-hmm. They're just like they're bouncing tracks um, with a lot of energy. These guys are also really good at, um, especially for a band that's only I think three guys. They they produce a lot of sound, um, but they're able to dial it back at just the right times. They dial it back and then they bring it back in in full force again, and it feels earned and it feels satisfying. Um, uh, like you, I, I did find some monotony in the lyrics. Uh, mm-hmm. The last track as well, A Boat to Drown In, is a long-form song. They they went pretty ambitious mm-hmm. there, and I just, especially for a band that labels itself as punk, I don't I don't quite, I, I don't quite know what they were trying to go for on this track, and I thought it went a little long. Right. And yeah, the lyrics, the lyrics just needed to be changed up maybe a little bit more over the track length. Right. Maybe, I don't know, some screams or something else. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I, I actually really like this album. I, uh, nice. I was impressed. Uh, I was impressed at, at what these three guys are able to do. Yeah. I, I really loved also the production. I thought it sounded so good, especially the drums. I, I thought it was, those were the best sounding drums that I've heard maybe all year, uh, on tracks like, uh, draw us in. I think draw us in might be my favorite track. It, it has all of those elements that I was talking about that I really enjoyed, the angular guitars, the punishing, punishing intensity, and just crisp, very, very uh, abrasive drums that I that I really liked. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it. Um, it was, it was a, it's yeah, a- Yeah, Draw Us In was a, a song I had in my notes as well. The bass really growls nicely in that song. It just comes in just like, mm, Yeah, yeah, mm, exactly, exactly. Mm. I'm like, I'm just like bobbing my head the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Cool. Okay, final album we're going to cover is the new Blackpink album, The Album. <laughs> seemingly overnight uh, seemingly overnight Korean pop sensation, uh, Blackpink is out with uh, their new 8-track new LP. They are coming off of a compilation and another EP back in 2018. Um, but really, the, not much music's come out of these guys. They had a, they had a very good uh, feature on Lady Gaga's album earlier this year on the song Sour Candy. But uh, their label... And production company YG Entertainment, um, not known for not known for dishing out a lot of tracks uh, in each release. So uh, I think I think fans are still going to be starved a little bit after this. 
Um, there's also a new Netflix documentary to accompany the album that I watched this week. Oh uh, really good inside look at YG Entertainment and the very extensive militaristic um, training and auditioning that YG Entertainment does with the with the young girls. Um, sometimes waiting like over half a decade to even get a shot at uh, at the big leagues. Uh, but these four ladies did it. Uh, Lisa uh, handles most of the rapping duties. Jenny has some of those as well. And then Jenny, Jisoo, and Rosie are the last three in the uh, in the quartet here. Uh, and they trade up usually pre-chorus or chorus duties uh, and hooks. Um, they're much they, their voices are much more catered to that. Um, there's, and it's only eight tracks. There's lots of ground covered over these eight tracks, um, mainly trap and hip, hip hop influence, especially on, on the single, how you like that, but also on a song like love to hate me. That's very trendy. That seems to be what pop music is moving towards. So I'm not surprised to hear lots of influence there. Uh, you also have more of nineties, two thousands pop influence, uh, on ice cream and then crazy over you. Love Sick Girls is basically ripped off of Avicii's canon uh, from on the catering to the EDM fans very obviously, and I mean I love that track probably the best on here, but it's very very obviously trying to play on the EDM crowd and hit as many demographics as possible. Um, and then uh, there's some other songs, a ballad you never know that I wasn't a huge fan of, um, and I also wasn't a huge fan of uh, Cardi B's um, feature on Betuana, mm. but overall I thought. Overall, on these eight tracks, they cover a lot of ground, and it is it is pretty solid. I uh, I want more of it. I'm on the train now. Oh man! What about you, Kev? Oh man! Where to start? Blackpink, the album. Wow. I have never listened to K-pop until this album. I will say it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Netflix. What's that documentary called? I think it's actually called Blackpink. Okay, but. I'm not sure. Okay, because it's interesting you mentioned that because um, one thing that I know about K-pop comes from one of my favorite Netflix shows. Uh, it's produced by Vox. It's called Explained, where they just explain uh, various topics, just a, a huge, diverse range of topics. And one of the episodes, maybe one of my favorite episodes of the show is about K-pop and the whole history. And it talks about how it, how it um, comes from historical and uh, political processes in South Korea. And it's just a super interesting um, explanation of what K-pop actually is. So knowing that, knowing about YG Entertainment, which is is just, it's just such an interesting concept. Anybody who's into music should definitely learn about K-pop. But I digress, going back to the album. Holy shit, this is just all over the place. It is so hyperactive. It's so different to listen to. And, you know, one thing I learned from that Explain episode is, is that's actually a hallmark of K-pop. It's the mashing of genres. It's designing these songs, cramming in all these different popular genres into one digestible three-minute track. And that is so wild to me for as a concept that it's it's just crazy to listen to. This album is is an insanely short album. It's 24 minutes for a full length e or full length LP, but it's so all over the place that I feel exhausted after listening to it. There's zero subtlety. There's just it's just like whiplash listening to each one of these tracks and some of it I found horribly annoying. I think Betuana is just horribly annoying horribly annoying song i don't like cardi b i i just don't like that song um but i will say that i enjoyed ice cream 
I thought Ice Cream was a pretty good song. I like that kind of, uh, they're kind of riffing off of, of uh, the melody that an ice cream truck plays. I kind of heard that as, as the kind of vibe from that track. I thought it was pretty good. And um, I actually quickly looked at uh, Anthony Fantano's review of this. And he mentioned he felt that there was a similarity to the electronic experimental band Battles, which I totally heard because they also have a song called Ice Cream and it also plays with that kind of ice cream truck motif. So I'm glad he and I are on the same page. Yeah. Um, But it's just, I, I just... I don't even know what to think about it. It's it's just crazy. And and the popularity of this band. I looked up some of their music videos on YouTube. I think uh, Ice Cream has 345 million views, the music video. And uh, the, the biggest international K-pop group, BTS, I didn't know this, but they've spent... So Billboard has a social 50. It's, it's, a, it's a, uh, a chart of the top songs that are disseminated through social media and so activity on social media bts has been number one on that chart for 200 weeks and guess who's number two blackpink so it just shows how insanely popular these groups are i think this music is just so designed for tiktok and social media um but yeah aside from ice cream i i did not enjoy it it's just it's just too much it's just i don't even know what's going on and it's it's kind of broke my brain for a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty happy you uh, you still gave it a listen but uh yeah i i can understand it's high energy high octane um but k-pop is emerging it's it's been tough to uh it's been tough for it to get into north america i mean gondam style by psy was maybe one of the few successes before bts and and blackpink so it's been a bit of a long slog, but YG Entertainment definitely knows what the hell they're doing oh, yeah. here. Um, they're just printing money. And they are they are catering it to the masses and um, leaving them wanting more too, which is, uh, I, I, I'm i not sure yet if that, that'll work out in their favor or not, but um, I don't know. We, we'll definitely have diverging opinions on this one. I think I think it's K-pop done pretty well. And But I guess when you're listening to this, do you just ignore the lyrics? Because they're horrible. I mean, I definitely sing along to them. <laughs> I mean, do I do I say do I do I um, dissect them and try to derive meaning from them? Absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe that's your mistake. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the topic, we're just gonna wrap up uh, the uh, albums real quick. Um, so I started off with Savage Mode Two. Uh, the collaboration between 21 Savage and Metro Boomin. Uh, that one's uh, an easy play for me. I thought it was a great sequel uh, to uh, to Savage Mode. Uh, they're doing it right. They're hitting all the right notes and uh, and jazzing up um, 21 Savage, getting him to do a little bit more than he used to be doing in the past. Um, huge fan of this. So I did enjoy this. I think Rich N-Word Shit is a good song. I enjoyed Mr. Right Now. I enjoyed Stepping on N-Words. Uh, I enjoyed the last track. Absolutely love Morgan Freeman, but it's just not enough for me personally. I think some of those middle tracks are a lit a little too samey that I don't really feel this need to go back to it. So it's going to be a pause, just just barely so, but it's a pause. I'm still very proud of you for uh, for giving this one a try too. <laughs> okay, and next album that we talked about was Atlas Vending by Metz. Very intense, very abrasive, uh, just 
be warned. I, I think my neighbors must hate me because I've just been blasting this album. It, it requires to be blasted on some just high quality, loud speakers. Uh, but given that, I also felt like the middle section was a bit too samey. Aside from Draw Us In, which is a great, great track, uh, I just felt it was a bit too monotonous, and I think the vocals were a bit too weak for my taste, so also a pause on my end. Uh, this one's definitely a play for me, but it was it's more up my alley, surprisingly, anyways. Um, I, I like this one a lot. Nice. Uh, it, it juggles punk, uh, grunge a little bit as well, and uh, and math, mathcore as well. There's some hardcore elements here that I dig, and I, lis- I used to listen to that when I was in my early 20s, so it vibes with me real well, if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> and then finally, it was the uh, Blackpink album, The Album. Um, we talked a lot about K-pop's history, um, extensively, but, uh, the album itself I thought was glisteningly well done. Um, I'd say six out of the eight tracks, I'm going to be blasting for at least the next two to three weeks uh, nonstop. So it's, it's an easy play for me. I'm a pretty nice guy today. So three plays in a row for me. Um, well, I guess this is, this is the episode where we just diverge. This is where it all falls apart. I, I just... I can't get into this kind of music. It's just so hyperactive. It's so, there's so much whiplash. There's literally, they change genres so often, it's impossible for me to just get into a song because as soon as I pick up on something, it just switches to crazy EDM. And wow, it's just, uh, it boggles the mind. I I just don't even know what to think. So uh, pause for me, three pauses for me, three plays for you. So a very interesting (laughs) week, uh, I have to say. Right, so moving on, uh, following on uh, Blackpink's review um, and, and the fact that Kevin and even myself are not huge on uh, K-pop and, and fully haven't dissected the entire uh, genre itself or its history, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about how the two of us uh, listen to something that um, we've never heard before. And in essence, talking in a more general terms, how do you approach an album, a genre, an artist who might be critically acclaimed or well-known, but is, is completely out of the realm of what you're comfortable with or have listened to in the past? Um, how do you listen to it, Kev? What do you do? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I think in terms of my quote-unquote music listening career, this has been a way for me to push boundaries and, and enter uh, places outside of my comfort zone uh, in terms of listening to music. I think for me, it's just, I go in with an open mind. I try not to to relate everything to the music that I already love and enjoy and the artists that I love and enjoy. I really want to try and listen to things without that context in my mind. So I obviously have the genres that I really love and I have the bands that I really love and anything that they put out, I'm going to like almost by default. And because of that, I think other genres and other artists that I don't really listen to, I think they need to impress me a lot more, which is unfair and and I recognize that, but I think it's, it's something that is pretty hard to get around. Uh, so I just try and be honest. I think I am I am very forgiving that if there's a genre that I don't normally listen to and there's a song that does resonate with me, I think I give that massive bonus points. So uh, the example from today, the uh, the song Rich N-Word Shit, that's a genre I don't really listen to. Uh, 
that title of song just off the bat, I'm just like, oh God. But uh, I enjoyed it. And I think it impressed me enough that I, I give major props for something like that. But for you, I, I find you listen to a lot of different genres. So I guess first off, what genres are you least familiar with or are you most recently into? Um, so I'd say least familiar with, I would say I, the the deepest, darkest recesses of like black metal, mm. probably not familiar with that. Country, I have an incredibly like tip of the iceberg knowledge about what's happening in country and I have had no incentive to or motivation to to dissect that that genre any further um but even even uh atlanta trap albums or just trap in general Mm. i mean i find that genre incredibly overly saturated with a lot of artists that sound the same so even when even in a genre like that where i've listened to a few albums now by artists like migos and future and the whole the whole um bunch of them i still get a little bit hesitant when i enter a new one uh, mainly because I just feel like because of its oversaturation, I'm, I'm worried that it's, it's, I'm not even going to even be able to pick out one song on what's probably a very monotonous, I don't know, 20 plus song right. album again. Um, I think first and foremost for me though, uh, when I do listen to something that I'm uncomfortable with or not sure of, um, without a doubt, I have to listen with headphones. Mm. I can't listen in the car with my, uh, with, you know, the sounds of my car or traffic in the background it has to be crystal clear yeah. on a nice set of headphones for me to understand exactly what's happening. Yeah. And I think, I think especially in, in music where uh, the production is heavily synthesized um, and, and not, you know, like a raw instrumental, um, you know, uh, production, um, it's more important than ever to listen with headphones. That way you're getting every single little sound and doodad that they've added into the song right. in your ears. Right. Um, and, and, and it also helps envelop you so that you can... Um, you can you can feel the music wash over you a bit easier than if you're just listening to you know shitty buds or something yeah, yeah exactly um, um i also like to see if it's i don't know if you do this but if it happened with uh, phoebe bridgers actually earlier this year i'm not a, again not an artist i knew th- that much about but i like to go poke around in their instagram account which um well, her instagram account <laughs> was a bit of a, <laughs> I was, wasn't exactly sure what i was getting into yep, there yep. but uh She's a weird one, but uh, I like to I like to go to their Instagram account and just get a sense of what kind of person they are. Are they goofy? Are they overly serious? Mm. Um, just to get a glimpse of of who they are. That way, um, I can kind of listen to the music and you know just have those running up simultaneously. And then also interviews and documentaries help as well. Right. Just like with Blackpink, just to help humanize the people. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I guess just to build off of that, I think. Um, one thing that you mentioned to me that that really helped me was for the music that I typically listen to, it's almost exclusively serious and it's, you know, in-depth and poetic and there's this hidden meaning. I enjoy that. I'm like a stupid nerd, whatever. And trying to listen to some of this poppier and and hip-hop stuff, it that approach doesn't work. So it really helped me when you were just like, don't take it seriously. It's not meant to be taken seriously. Like Morgan Freeman talking about the minute differences between snitches and rats. That's not meant to be taken seriously. It's it's just kind of funny. And and I think that really helped me. And your point about how to listen to music is, is a great one. I think for all the music that we've listened to as part of uh, this podcast, I've 
wanted to listen at least one time each on headphones and speakers just to have those different uh, listening environments and and just see because I think certain albums are definitely headphone records and certain ones are just meant to be pumped up super loudly. Okay, so um, let's get over to uh, some songs now. Uh, I think Kevin and I each have about two songs we're going to cover today quickly before the show's done. Uh, Kevin, would you like to start uh, with yours? Yeah, sure. Uh, I actually only have one this week. Um, and it's a new track off of their forthcoming EP, which is out on October 23rd. It's the band Local Natives. They have a new EP called Sour Lemon, and they just released a new track called Lemon. And this one features indie singer-songwriter Sharon Van Etten, who I didn't really listen to that much until her latest album from last year, Remind Me Tomorrow, which really reinvented her sound, and it it transformed into a much more electronic type sound, a much more intense sound, whereas before she was kind of quieter and folkier and, and more acoustic sounding. So I really love that album, and to see her collaborate now with local natives is really interesting. Uh, Local Natives is a band that I kind of have a love-hate relationship with. I know I mentioned I threw some shade in the first episode saying that Fleet Foxes is Local Natives 100 times better. I still enjoy Local Natives, just to be clear. But some of their albums are just kind of hit or miss. They have this very clean, radio-friendly sound that I didn't really enjoy. Their last album was a bit of a return to form, Violet Street. I enjoyed that one a fair amount. This uh, new track with Sharon Van Etten is very stripped back. It's just a simple acoustic guitar track and some nice harmonies and some nice melodies. It's uh, it's a very calming, nice, beautiful song. There's nothing really too special about it, but it didn't really turn me off and uh, I enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, so I expect to hear more about uh, that EP in the future. Okay, and I have uh, two that I want to cover. So uh so there's a new song called Dream Gone Bad by Killer Be Killed. This is a metal super group uh, with um, members from all over the place. There's members from Mastodon, Dillinger Escape Plan, Converge. Uh, this, is a, this is about as super group as metal gets, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, the new song Dream Gone Bad is off Reluctant Hero, which is due out November 20th. Um, I've had mixed opinions about this band since their first album, but this this song is much more what I'm expecting from these guys. It sounds massive. They let Troy Sanders uh, really uh, come out front uh, with his vocals. He sounds great. I still don't know if I like Greg Pucciato uh, beside him vocally. He sounds a little bit more snottier, immature beside him, even though he works obviously well on Dillinger Escape Plan's music. Side by side, not so sure. But the instrumentation here with and with Ben Kohler on the drums, oh, it sounds great. And now I'm kind of excited about what this album's going to sound like. Um, and then uh, the next one is uh, is uh, just a, a unrelated single release uh, by Lana Del Rey. It just came out yesterday, actually. It's called Let Me Love You Like a Woman. And yeah, like I said, there's no album announced right now. Um, Kevin, you can weigh on this too when, once... Uh, once I finish here, but uh, sure. I found it a little bit of a sleepy piano ballad. It's She's done so many of these songs at this point in her career. This is pretty by the book for her. Uh, but I mean, her last album, Norman fucking Rockwell, had to grow on me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this one grows into a bit more of an anthemic piece as it goes on. Um, but I don't know. I, I've listened to it a few times now and I don't expect to keep playing it. 
um, in, in leading up to whatever release she might be scheduling here, or whether it's just standalone, I'm not sure. It's definitely no Venice, bitch. It's definitely no Mariner's Apartment Complex. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, um, I never really liked Lana Del Rey that much. I thought she was just kind of okay. But after listening to Norman fucking Rockwell, that album's actually really, really good. It's so expansive. It's epic. Great, great songs. And... Honestly, Venice Bitch is a masterpiece. I just, I absolutely love that song. It's this sprawling nine-minute epic, very interesting sounds, more of a psychedelic feel. But then, yeah, this new track, I don't know. It's very just, it's hard for me to understand why this would be released as the first track after Norman fucking Rockwell. Because it typically should... I guess, reinvigorate the fan base and prep them for this new album, this new sound. I do think there is a new album in the works, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not clear on the relationship with this song to that new album. But yeah, it didn't really uh, impress me that much. I just think it's a typical Lana Del Rey song. So if you're a mega fan, I'm sure you'll love it. But for me, it's just, okay, cool. All right, that just about wraps it up for this wildly diverse episode. Uh, We'd like to thank you again for listening to us. Um, If you like what you heard, please feel free to uh, rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more content, please feel free to follow us on Instagram at playbuttonpodcast. And also, just a reminder to check our podcast show notes. We'd like to put in our track recommendations there. So if you want to check out some of the albums we've heard, um, we recommend some key tracks from each of those albums. But until next time, uh, this is Kevin and Peter signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye.